I don't know about y'all, but my heart this morning is just, um, it's just kind of bubbling over inside. So it's kind of hard to redirect that um, to the message. You know what happened this morning in the baptistry is what it's all about. It's seeing people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Please listen to me. If we have ever, if we have ever been intentional about sharing the gospel, we need to be today. People need Jesus Christ. I know everybody's got their eyes on the Middle East, okay, and I, all across pulpits, okay, I can tell you today. Um, there are probably going to be more messages on the Middle East and what's going on over there um, than what you would normally find. Um, I want to say to you tonight, or this morning, um, I will talk some about it tonight in light of the book of Jude. And so I will share some of the things and some of the complexities uh, that are taking place over in that region right now. And uh, so if you want to hear more about those, then be back tonight at 6 o'clock. And I know some of y'all are saying, oh, you're just trying to get a crowd back here on Sunday night. Say, so, no. There's just some complexities and some things that I just I want to share with you tonight that will be better done in the evening than uh, during the morning session. 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where we will be. I'm starting a new series of messages on the life of David. And we all claim that, you know, we, we, know, we know a lot about David, okay? Matter of fact, when you ask most people about David, so who was David? He was the one who killed the giant. Yeah, you're right. He was. He did kill Goliath. Um, that is for sure. Well, we also know that he had an incident with Bathsheba. Yeah, we all know that. You know, it's amazing to me when you sit back and you consider the life of some of the characters in the Bible, what we come up that we remember them by. About how often do we go to the Scripture to, to, to move all of that to the side and drill down and see, really, who were they? Who was David? I mean, when you consider the magnitude of David, who was David in light of everything that we know about him? Well, if you don't know this about me by now, genealogies play a big part in, with me. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter number 1. As we look at the beginnings of David, for us to, to determine, for us to know really who David is, I think one of the things that we need to do is take a look back, drill down a little bit and see who David was and where David had his beginning. You know, sometimes we see characters in the Bible and they're like they, they, they stand head and shoulders above everybody else. Let me, let me share this with you. David had a beginning, okay, not unlike any of us in this building. 
of his life. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse number 5. Solomon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. How many of y'all remember Boaz? And you remember Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And so guess who David's father was? It was Jesse. So we see that Jesse goes all the way back to Obed, goes all the way back to Boaz and Ruth. If you know anything about the book of Ruth, it's all about the kinsman redeemer. And let me say something to you this morning. This redemptive thread that runs throughout the scripture did not come as an afterthought with God. David's life coming through this path, verse 6, Jesse was the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon was David's son. Solomon built the temple. That structure of a temple, Solomon built it. David was the architect under the direction of the Lord. Solomon built the temple. Was David quite a man? He was. Did he have a humble beginning? He did. Matter of fact, he was the youngest out of all of the children. David would appear to us in this building, in this auditorium this morning, that surely there was nothing in David that could possibly prompt him or get him to the place that he would become the king over Israel. Nor to enter into a covenant with God called the Davidic covenant. But God had, God had a plan. Matter of fact, if you turn back to the book of Ruth, if you go back to Ruth, And go to chapter 4. Come on, pages, turn. There we go. Ruth chapter 4. In verse number 11. You see, David was the son of Jesse, the second king of Israel. He united Israel. He conquered many enemies. And here's something else that David did. He established the practices of worship in Jerusalem. But Matthew chapter 1 and Ruth chapter 4 are connected. And look at verse 11. And all the people who were in the court and the elder said, We're witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and like Leah. Let me tell you something. That is a powerful statement right there. Because God has now made the connection between Rachel and Leah with David and his birth. 
And so it is substantial when you consider this. And notice what else it says in verse 11. Both of whom built the house of Israel. And may you achieve wealth in Ephrata and become famous in where? In Bethlehem. Boaz and Ruth. Jesse becoming the son of Boaz and Ruth. And then David being born to Jesse. We know more about David than almost any other person in the Bible. Did you ever think about that? Matter of fact, if you do uh, just a quick search, here's what you will find. David is mentioned 1,137 times in 970 verses. Abraham is mentioned 249 times in 230 verses. Moses is mentioned 852 times in 787 verses. So what does it say about David? We know more about David and what we have contained in the Scripture than we do of almost anyone else. Think about David with me for just a moment this morning. David was simply a shepherd. He was a young lad out in the desert tending to his father's sheep. And matter of fact, he was a very young one at that, living in the small village of Bethlehem. And let me say this, from, from, from most today, when you look at the Bible, when you look at Scripture, and you think about David and David's beginning, probably no one of really any significance as far as man was concerned. Small little young boy, tending sheep. Oh, by the way, David had a shepherd's heart. I wonder where David learned that from. Tending sheep. Tending his father's sheep out in the desert. And the training that David would receive while tending his father's sheep. After Saul, the choice of king will not be made based on Israel's criteria but on God's criteria. For you see, Saul was based on the people's criteria. We want a king like everybody else has. Matter of fact, we don't want when people come up and ask us who our king is to say, well, he's not here, he's in heaven. We want all the pomp and circumstance and everything that's associated with a, with, with a, with a, with a, with a human king. With, that's what we want more than anything else. And my dear friend today, how many of us, we want more. We want more of what it may look like from a world perspective that we need in our lives and that we desire. We want it above anything else that God may desire for us. You know, because sometimes what we desire in our lives may have all of the glitter and all of the glamour appearance to it when you look at it. But at the end of the day, what do you have? 
At the end of the day, it's temporal. At the end of the day, it's all going away. There's only one thing that's going to matter one day, and that's what's in your heart between you and God. That's who David was. See, here's here's the thing that we don't get to see because we only look at it from the outside. Here's what God saw. God saw something far deeper. I'm thankful today that God sees and knows our hearts, not us. And that's exactly what God saw in David. Matter of fact, turn with me to Genesis chapter 49. Speaking of preparing the way for David to sit on the throne. Genesis chapter 49. And I know some of y'all are probably wondering, are we ever going to get to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 through 11? Just hold on, we're getting there. I want you to have an idea of who David is before we ever get there. Genesis chapter 49. And I want you to notice with me verse number 10. This is from the book of Genesis. This is before, this is before Boaz and Ruth. This is before Jesse's ever born. And notice what it says in Genesis 49 in verse number 10. The scepter shall not depart from where? Judah. Nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. Until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people's. The scepter will not depart from Judah. That's from Genesis chapter 49. And the the scepter is not departed. The scepter is not departing. Matter of fact, the king of kings himself is going to reestablish the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem. And he is going to rule and reign from that throne according to the word of God. Genesis 49. Well, let's fast forward to 1 Samuel, chapter 13. Don't go to 16 yet. We're making progress. 1 Samuel, chapter 13. And I want you to notice verse 14. Speaking about Saul. Notice what we have in verse 14. But now your kingdom shall not endure. It's over, Saul. Matter of fact, I want you to understand something. Wasn't the people that did it. Wasn't Samuel that did it. God said it's over. Saul, your kingdom is over. The Lord has sought out for himself. And please, underline, highlight this, put parentheses around it, put whatever you want to. The Lord has sought out a, for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him as the ruler over his people. I want you to understand, God said the next king in Israel is going to be a man after my own heart. Nothing else. But after my own heart. So now you can go to 1 Samuel 16. 
As we come to 1 Samuel chapter 16, we find Samuel on his next assignment from God. Now, I don't know about you, it had to have been pretty tough to be a prophet during those days. Because God gave, listen, I hate, please listen to me. The prophet could not go share whatever message he thought led to, shed, or to share that day. God said, Samuel, I want you to go to the house of Jesse. Chapter 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Samuel, how long, Samuel, how long, how long are you going to, to grieve over this? And how long are you going to find yourself in, in this position? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have selected a king for myself among his sons. You ought to underline that and connect it back to 1 Samuel chapter 13. I have a king that will become king of Israel after my own heart. That's who's going to take the throne. Verse 2, but Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears of it, he'll kill me. Uh Uh-huh. Let me tell you something. Being a prophet back during these days was not an easy task. And also, since Saul was still on the throne, Saul is still the king. And if Saul got wind that Samuel is going to anoint the next king, guess what? That's how quick that would happen. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. That was not a lie. That was the truth. Because he would. You shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said. Came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came trembling to meet him. And said... Do you come in peace? Let me tell you why. Samuel was also the civil magistrate. He was also a judge. And whenever they came to visit like that, no wonder they trembled. What judgment is he bringing? Verse 5. But he said in peace, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart, and come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And so when they entered, he looked at Eliab and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. In other words, the firstborn, the, the, the first one of Jesse's sons. Surely he's got to be the one. And let me tell you why. Because Samuel's looking at his outward appearance. And wouldn't it make sense for the firstborn son of the family to have this position as the next king over Israel? Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him 
For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I I don't know if you've noticed how many times that phrase has been spoken over and over and over again. Please listen to me today. It ain't about what you look like on the outside. It's all about what's taking place on the inside in your heart. But let me say this. What comes out on the outside is indicative of what's going on on the inside. That's what the Bible says. That's not my psychological opinion here. For out of the heart man speaks. For out of the heart come the issues of life. See, God knew David's heart. And that's what's important here. And my question to you today is, where is your heart? And I, and I tell you, I mean, my, I, I'm about to explode up here. And let me tell you why. Because, my friend, God is still on the throne. He is still at work saving people. And we see people come to know Jesus Christ today as their personal Savior and growing in the Lord. That's what this is all about. We get so caught up in all of this other stuff out here. And as long as Satan can keep us busy doing all of this other stuff out here and not focusing and concentrating on the main thing, he's got us right where he wants us to be. Church, listen to me. We ought to be rejoicing today that we've had the privilege to baptize someone. We ought to be rejoicing today over ones who come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, been rescued out of darkness and placed into the light, and their feet have been placed on solid footing. Now, I don't know about you. If that doesn't get you excited, if that doesn't make you all happy and bubbly inside, okay? I don't know. Verse 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Lord, didn't you that one either? He's not it. He goes all the way down through all of them. Nope, not it. Nope, he's not it. Nope, he's not it. Nope, he's not it. Wait a minute. Jesse, Jesse, you got any more? Well, Lord, how many you want me to have? Yeah, I got one more. We'll bring him in here. Please listen to me. He didn't fit what you and I or what they would consider to be king material. But please listen to me. It's not a matter about what the world thinks. It's a matter of what God thinks. Verse 9. Next, Jesse made Shema pass by and he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Could you imagine being Samuel? Seven pass before you, not one of them. Are... We're kind of running out of candidates here. 
Verse 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are these all? Are these all the children? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. And behold, he is tending the sheep. And then Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him. For we will not sit down until he comes here. But you see, here's the big moment. They're all standing. Could you imagine the seven other brothers? I can tell you where they were. Just go read what happens when David comes to see him on the battlefield before Goliath. So in walks David, little David, the shepherd boy. Surely nobody's choice here. Verse 12. So he went and brought him in. Now, he was ruddy. Some feel that's a kind of a red complexion. With beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said to Samuel. Notice what he tells him. Arise and anoint him. So what was the difference? See, it was what was on the inside of David. He had a good appearance. I mean, David looked good. But it was what was on the inside. Verse 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now, verse 14, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him from that day forth. So did David go jump on the throne? No. So where did David go? Let me tell you where David went. He went right back out, tending the sheep. Did not usurp anything that it that had happened. He didn't take any of it into his own hands. David went back to doing what he was doing before God placed this call on his life. To wait. To wait on who? To wait on God. My dear friend, it's about God's timing. It's not about our timing. This whole thing's not about us. It's all about him. Proven in in David. And I can tell you this morning, the one who God appoints, he also anoints. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 78. The one whom God appoints, he also anoints. Psalm 78. And verse 70. Psalm chapter 78 and verse 70. 
Notice verse 10. Or verse 70, I'm sorry. (laughs) Hey, it has a zero in it, okay? (laughs) Verse 70. He also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From the care of the ewes with suckling lambs he brought him. To shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. It was no coincidence that David was tending the sheep. He is taken from the sheepfold of his father's house to shepherd the people of Israel. In spite of who they were. Go to Psalm 89 and look at verse 20. Psalm chapter 89 and verse 20. I have found David my servant with my holy oil. I have anointed him with whom my hand will be established. My arm also will strengthen him. The enemy will not deceive him nor the son of wickedness afflict him. But I shall crush his adversaries before him and strike those who hate him. My faithfulness and my loving kindness will be with him. And in my name, his horn will be exalted. That's who David was. So. David's life. Is such, is such an example for us today. Matter of fact, turn with me to Acts chapter 13. And you said, you know, we've been in the Old Testament all morning. Let's go to Acts chapter 13. Yes, David is spoken of in the book of Acts. I believe the key to David's life is found here. And so after these things, he gave them judges until Samuel, the prophet. And then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. After he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, but notice the next phrase, who will do all my will. We have connected here from Acts 13 all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 13, seeing how How absolutely divine and perfect the Word of God is. No contradictions, no errors connected hundreds of years later to the beginning days of the early church when we see David spoken of, drawing connection all the way back to 1 Samuel 13 because it was in David's heart. I couldn't find that in your Apple Music Library. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. Verse 21, or verse 23. From the descendants of this man, according to promise, 
Ooh, buddy, please don't miss this next part. From this man, the descendant, because of the promise God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus Christ. Prophet, priest, and king who will come from the tribe and the line of Judah. My scepter will not depart from this throne. Verse 24. After John had proclaimed before his coming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. So what does this mean? So what does all this mean about David? So so what do we do with all this from David? Well, let me share some things with you. Was he perfect? Was he a superman? The answer to that question is no. You know what he was? He was a young boy keeping his father's sheep. He was the last of the sons. Not the first. The last. Let me just spell it out for you. Here, here, here it is real simple. David, David was human. Did David fall? Sure he did. Did David overstep his bounds? He did on occasion. Was David called a task? He was. And matter of fact, after David went through and adjudicated his own sentence, Nathan looks at David and said, you're the man. You're the guilty one. But it didn't change the fact that David's heart was still a heart after God's own heart. Because go read Psalm 51. Go read the, the penitent Psalm of David against thee only and only against thee, God, I've sinned. David knew who he was. David knew where he had been. You see, David had a heart that sought after God. His heart was sensitive to God's leading. In Acts chapter 13 and Verse 36, the scripture says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation. I want you to note, after he had served the purpose of God to his own generation. Did God have a purpose for David? Sure he did. He was the king of Israel. But are you ready for this? It didn't end there. There's still more coming. All right, let me kind of bring it down to this for you. All of this that I've talked about, this is how God desires us to be. To have a heart that is sensitive to him. So what do we learn from here? I'm going to give you three things real quickly this morning you can learn. Number one. God's solutions and choices are always right. God's solutions and choices are always right. Always. There's not an if and but about it. They're always right. 
So, so, what is that, so what does that mean for us? Here's what it means. It's, it's the hard piece for us. We must learn to be patient and follow God's leading sometimes. Sometimes it means just to be still and wait. Sensitive to God's leading. Patiently praying. Hey, how about that 120 that were in the upper room after Jesus Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father waiting for the promise of the Comforter to come? Jesus told them, do not go anywhere, do not do anything until the promise comes. How many of us get ahead of God sometimes in our lives? We make choices that aren't good. Huh? You ever think about this verse? Be still and know that I, what, am God. Number two. Was David faithful to what God called him to do? He was. Point number two. You need to be faithful in the little things. You need to be faithful in the little things. And you say, why do you say that, Brother Robert? Always remember this. God is always watching. See, God sees the heart. He's always watching. See, God knows the secret things of us. Matter of fact, the scripture says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows the very intents and the thoughts of our hearts. That's who God is. He knows who we are. He knows our frame. Let me tell you why. He is the creator. He is the Elohim. That's who he is. And then number three. God's choices are always sovereign and sure. See, if you remember back to Genesis 49, he said the scepter would not depart from Judah. God's choices are always sovereign and sure. Our purpose and calling is to be faithful where we are. Where we are. It may be the little things. Just be faithful in the little things. Just be what God's called us to be where we are. And wait for God to do whatever's next. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16. We're going to close with David. Revelation twenty-two sixteen. All the way to the back. Revelation chapter 22. This is where it's all connected. The scepter will not depart from Judah. Samuel, I want you to go to anoint the one I've chosen. A man after my own heart. Starting out in the days of Ruth and Boaz, and Obed, and Jesse. We come to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16, and I want you to notice the closing words of John the Revelator. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify you these things for the churches. I am the root 
and the descendant of who? Of David. The bright and morning star. The spirit and the bright say come. And let the one who hears say come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Even in the closing verses of the book of the Revelation, as we see the gospel presented, anyone who's thirsty, let him come. Anyone who needs life, let him come. From David all the way through Jesus Christ and who he is. It's all put together, my friend, by God himself. It is the redemption story. You've seen it. It's all connected. There is no error. You say, Brother Robert, you sure are excited. Yeah, I am. And let me tell you why. Because I can't wait till the day comes that I get to go see the one who loved me so. David was a man after God's own heart. That's just the beginning of the life of David. It's just the introduction to who he is. So as we make our journey over the next several weeks into the life of David, here's what I hope you pull out of it. Don't ever think for a moment that you're of no use to God. Don't ever discount who you are. Don't ever discount that God can't use you. Don't ever discount that you're finished and it's all over. Where you are, what you're doing today, seek God with all of your heart. You ready for this? God will make it clear and plain to you what he desires for you. But but oftentimes we have to be careful of this too, that we don't get so scared that we don't take that next step of faith. God, I don't know what that's going to look like. It's not about whether or not we know what it looks like. What's important is God already knows the future. Amen.